1: Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live, and we host Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for our radio audience tuning in at WYAD, 94.1 FM, and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all can be with us. Also, tuning in to our friends online through our online affiliates, we appreciate you all joining us as well. We're excited to welcome Julie Gerstenblatt to our program today. Julie is celebrating a great new book this week. It's called Daughters of Nantucket. If you guys are just now hearing about the book, I'm going to talk to her not only about what it was like for her to be able to bring these carriages to life, but also to take us back into a pivotal point in history for Nantucket what it's like for her to be able to create this, this town for herself but also the early response to the book as well if you guys are just now finding out about it we'll let you know how to stay connected with Julie too Julie thank you so much again for the time really do appreciate it
0: Hi Cyrus Hi everyone I'm so happy to be here
1: Well, the pleasure is definitely all mine. Julie, I was saying to you before we went on here that one of the things I did in prepping for this, I saw the great video you did back in February where you were taking us through Nantucket. So I want to talk to you about that. What was it like for you to kind of take us into the place that inspired this book and now to be sharing the book with the world this week?
0: That was so much fun. It was one of the first things um, I decided to do. I actually recorded that last summer, the last Mm -hmm. time I was on Nantucket, Um, with my son, who is a film student at USC, and I said, I know it's our family vacation, but we really need to get this material (laughs) done now, and then we'll edit it, and then we will share it about a month before the book comes out, so um, what was fun about that is that I've been going to Nantucket since the late 1970s with my family, so in the video, I show places that were important to me then, where I had ice cream with my grandpa um, in the late 70s, and also places where I imagine my characters have their stores and homes in the 1846 time period.
1: Wow. And and it's such a, a great read, I think, for a couple of reasons, Julie. One, I think the fact that you're able to take us into these the lives of these women that seemingly are different. But they definitely have a connective tissue in between them, and we're able to see that as you kind of take us from chapter to chapter. Was that part of the fun for you to not only of course to be able to share Nantucket with the world, but also these women and kind of show the the connectivity that kind of exists with them?
0: Yeah, I think what's unique about Nantucket, although it's a small town like so many places in America, it's an island. And because of that, you are stuck with the people um, yeah. who are your neighbors and um, you have to make it work. So um, I thought about women in general, women in communities with their children and the things that they want and need and desire um, in the many ways like today where we agree with our neighbors on some things and, and don't on others and um, the ways that that can really get um, Both ugly, but hopefully also some beautiful moments in a small community. So let's talk
1: about the 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 how for you, Julie. I mean, how did the initial idea for this book come to you?
0: I, um, like I said, have been I've been in love with Nantucket for most of my life, Um, and I've been in love with writing for most of my life. Um, And I tried writing a contemporary novel set on Nantucket. But um, it wasn't doing anything new or different in the market. And my agent at the time said to me, you know, you keep referencing that historical one, and you sound excited when you talk about it. And I said, I know, but I just came across the idea of that fire in two paragraphs in a Nathaniel Philbrick history of the island. He wrote hundreds of pages about the island and only two paragraphs about the fire, and apparently thought there wasn't enough. To write an entire book about. So maybe not nonfiction, but fiction, certainly I could. So I took that seed of that fire. And, you know, everybody loves the drama of a moment like that. But I thought, who are the people living around it? So that's where I came up with the idea.
1: So I, I want to talk to you about a couple of things. One, of course, is the, the the women that that you have been able to share with us that we're kind of getting to know uh, as we're kind of going throughout Daughters of Nantucket, but also, of course, the literal and the figurative aspects of what is being said and done. And we see this in a lot of different ways. One of the ways that really stood out to me, I made a note of, uh, Julie, was in chapter 16 of the book, where there's this great conversation that's taking place, um, for one, with the character, Meg, that we're able uh, to meet, uh, but also a gentleman we're able to meet uh, called Absalom. So I want to talk about this because I I love the fact that the point um, that Meg made to something that I think a lot of people today um, will agree with, and that is education, the role of education and how education, as Meg even says, education is political. Talk to us about that because I love the the fact that as the story is going along and you're seeing again how these different characters are being treated, there are things that they're realizing about themselves and the circumstances that does create a connection. So talk to us about Meg and the whole idea of, of, of the importance of education for her but also what she realized about how education was in some ways been weaponized.
0: Yeah, um, and unfortunately, I think we see that today in America as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Access to education is access to so much. Um, It is what, when I, I have a doctorate in education, so I come from the background of a teacher, and I have learned so much about what's called cultural capital, things that you can't be taught necessarily in school, but that come with Um, with the education and the access to all of the um, opportunities, to college, to certain ways of um, of understanding the world. So, um, you know, things that are being denied to people right now, what books they can read, um, who can study what or say what in schools, that's something that goes back to our very founding principles. So Meg is a freeborn black woman living on Nantucket. Um, I did not know much about the community. It was a thriving, rich place, um, kind of a parallel community um, where if you're on Nantucket, it's known as the Five Corners and there's the African Meeting House. And there was a thriving black community, but also they wanted to be integrated into the white schools and get the same education all the way through high school um, that was offered to their white, counterparts. So um, I created Meg based around a char- like two characters who are true to history, Eunice Ross, who did pass the entrance exam for the high school but was denied access in 1840 on Nantucket because she was black, and the daughter of Absalom Boston, Phoebe Ann Boston, who also passed that exam and was denied access several years later. Um, I love Absalom. Wow, if I could meet one person from history, it would be him. He has a small role in my book, but um, he was the first black captain of a whaling ship with an entirely black crew, Um, and he made millions. Um, And because of that, he was so respected and revered on Nantucket, and it was really um, him who helped kind of, forge the way forward for education for the um, black kids on the island.
1: And again that's just one example. Eliza's another interesting character, and I say interesting and I'm sure readers will have their own feelings (laughs) about Eliza. Uh, Oh Eliza I always
0: say.
1: But but she is she is she is complicated, but she also is still realistic and relatable. So talk to us about Eliza and what it's like for you to kind of share the different layers of her journey because there are certain parts I think as the reader we get to see them more than maybe those who were around her uh, in your book um, that there were certain parts of her that were not just flawed but also relatable in what she was dealing with. So talk to us about what it was like for you to kind of bring her to life.
0: Sure. Um, In the the back of the book I say um, Eliza was the hardest character, you know, the one that um, at first I thought she'd be the easiest character for me to write because she's a whaling captain's wife, and that's kind of what we think of when we think of Nantucket, but um, the more I read about what was happening on the island, the more I realized that um, she had to, she kind of had to be the Karen of her time, the woman who thinks she's getting less when somebody else is getting more, Um, And so to make her sympathetic, you know, she's lonely. Her husband has been gone for four years at sea. She um, has financial woes. And so if we can get into her head and imagine her motivation, um, we can kind of, I don't know if we can relate, but I think we can understand and feel a little bit of sympathy for Eliza, which is necessary to follow a character. She can't be... A complete villain um, and she's going to have to learn a lot and grow a lot in order to be um, sympathetic
1: yeah the whole idea too of, of being cared for i think we see that even in the characters that we're able to meet because the whole idea there's a lot of mothering that takes place in this book julie even among those who may not we're not talking about their biological children i mean there is a certain sense of looking out for others that come through, especially at the time of tragedy. We'll get into the fire. But what was that like for you to kind of show that how sometimes it takes people realizing a connection that may not be obvious um, to to get us to really support each other and be there for each other?
0: Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, the title is Daughters of Nantucket. So the idea of mothers and daughters um, or being... Related to a place, I actually see maybe the island as the mother to all of these different Mm. characters, and um, you know the birth of different um, kinds of human characteristics. Um, And I think like Mariah is a good example of somebody who is a mother figure to. um, She works as a librarian, and as we know, librarians are people who look out for the community and often connect with youngsters. So I see her as a mother figure helping um, Joseph Allen, who is learning um, how to read the stars and navigate so he can go off to sea one day. And um, obviously Meg is a, as a mother figure, she is a mother. She is pregnant also with her second child. Um, and Eliza has three children too, who are her natural own children and one that um, became her stepdaughter when she married a man who was widowed. Um, and their relationship is one that I really, I really enjoy because I can see a grown daughter. I have a grown daughter myself and I understand there are times when we disagree or see things differently. Um, and taking care of one another is something that can happen in a disaster that will bring people together and can bring out the best in them. And, you know, if somebody is displaced, if somebody um, has lost it all, we need to mother them or take them in and, you know, hopefully support them.
1: Yeah. And I think it makes us think too, Julie, as we're looking at our own lives about how, You know, we all have heard, be careful how you treat people, because you never know who you're going to need need yourself. And I think we see that in so many different ways. I want to say for those who are just tuning in, either on the radio side or online, you're listening to Conversations Live. We're excited to welcome Julie Gerstenblatt to our program today. Julie's celebrating her brand new book out this week, Daughters of Nantucket. We're going to remind you not only how you can get the book, but also how you can stay connected with Julie. Julie, I wanna, there's one more thing I want to ask you about the book. I want to step back for a second and ask you something about you and this, this new chapter, pun intended there, of your journey. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about what it's been like for you to go from living with these characters yourself and now having conversations like this. I saw you did a TV interview recently as well. So what has that been like for you now being able to share these characters with the rest of us?
0: That has been a complete delight um, it's interesting because you live, you know, I, I wrote this over two to three years. The characters were mine. They weren't going to be um, judged by anyone else except for my writing group who give strong yeah. critiques and helped me make the book better. But now um, being an author, the difference between being a writer and an author is a writer does the work at home and the author is the public face of that book and has conversations hopefully about the characters in dialogue with someone like you with book groups um last night at my public library and then it comes alive the relationship between reader and writer um is a real thing it feels magical to me and i'm really excited to start that phase when it's out in the world it's being read it becomes bigger than me and um hopefully takes off on its own and um, provides people conversation, even if I'm not there.
1: Yeah. Love that. Love that. Last thing I'm going to talk to you about uh, is, of course, being understood, because none of these characters are perfect that we're able to read in the book, but there is an interesting, I do want to give our audience a lighter side of Eliza, since I mentioned how she, can, she can't be complicated. Yeah. There's a great conversation you have in the book with, um, is it pronounced Maria?
0: It's in Mariah.
1: It's Mariah, okay.
0: Mariah, so, is, yeah. yeah. She's, she's a real person, and so I couldn't mm-hmm. change the spelling of her name. You know, gotcha. if you add an H to the end, everybody would know how to pronounce it, you know, written Got in you. text, but it is pronounced Mariah.
1: Got you. Well, there, there's a great conversation between Eliza and Mariah in the book where where Mariah kind of becomes the voice of reason in some ways for for Eliza and getting her to see – the error of her ways, or more importantly, the error of her thinking. I think we all need a Mariah in in that respect, someone who can, in a subtle way, but in a, in in a in a straightforward enough way that we are not feeling attacked, but we are made to think about that. Is that kind of how you saw Mariah's, especially her in, in engagement with Eliza, at times, kind of being that voice to kind of get people to think about what they're doing and why they really are doing it.
0: Yeah, I um Mariah is a real person from history. She comes from a very strong Quaker background and the Quakers believed in equal education for men, you know, boys and girls, men and women, and also to speak up. It was a big part of the Quaker faith in action. And to um and which is why, um, on Nantucket you could See that they were fighting for equality and fighting against, um, you know, segregation in large part, but you'll see in the book where that's not true, and um, very early abolitionists, very early, um, you know, for for women to vote and suffrage. So I put those qualities in Mariah. She's a teacher. Um, She's sort of the moral compass um, in the book and the larger – community. She also speaks out to her father at one point during the fire to try and have him see reason. So I do see her as the, as the most reasonable um, of, you know, in terms of those characters. Um, I, I see also Meg and, and Benjamin as reasonable, but in terms of who can kind of give you that slap across the face when you need it and say, snap out of it, let's, um, you know, can you maybe see that this is racist, which isn't a word, actually, that was in the um, vernacular at the time. So bigot mm-hmm. would be probably the word that Meg would, I mean, that Mariah would say to Eliza right. about her behavior and her thinking.
1: And I think that's what, again, makes this book so great. I mean, it definitely is entertaining. Of course, Nantucket is its own character in the book, which I know Mm -hmm. was important for you, Julie, but it really does allow us to see, again, ourselves in these characters as well. Again, everyone, Julie Gerstenblatt has been our guest. Her new book is Daughters of Nantucket. It is available through our friends at Amazon.com or through your favorite local bookstore. If they don't have it, I know they'd be more than happy to order it for you. Julie, what about for yourself? Uh, How can our audience stay connected with you?
0: Oh, I would love if people followed me on Instagram. It's at Julie Gerstenblatt. I have been doing fun videos of my book tour outfits and what I'm wearing um, for public appearances because otherwise I'm just home in my pajamas writing. I'm really excited (laughs) to be out there, uh, out there and fashionable, and um, also to join Sign up for my newsletter by going to juliegirstenblatt.com, and you can see that video that you referenced earlier there, and some family photos that go back in time. And there's also a great um, book club kit linked there for anybody who wants to discuss this with their book club.
1: All right, well, Julie, congratulations to you again. So glad to be able to speak with you, and looking forward to our next chat together.
0: Thank you, Cyrus
1: more than welcome. And we thank your audience for tuning in to this episode of Conversations Live. Make sure you guys, if you did come in late, don't worry. The podcast is available for you. so You can always be able to catch the replay. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, saying, as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all so much for choosing Conversations Live today. Let's go make today amazing. Take care.